Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father, we just uh, submit to your spirit. Uh, we thank you for the power that is in your word. We thank you because it brings change and transformation to our lives. It aligns us with your plans and your purposes. Um, let it illuminate our hearts. Let it shine a light along the path that we should go, Heavenly Father. Let it destroy yokes and cause burdens to lift, Almighty and everlasting God. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. Well, if you wanted a title for um, what I am about to share with you, um, the title, What Do These Stones Mean, um, would suffice. What do these stones mean? I'm going to read um, from Joshua, the fourth chapter. Um, I won't read the entire chapter. I'll read um, um, some verses. Joshua, the fourth chapter. I'll read first from verses 1 to 9. I'm reading um, today from the Amplified Classic, Joshua, the fourth chapter, verses 1 to 9. What do these stones mean? When all the nation had fully passed over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from among the people, one man out of every tribe, and command them, Take twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm, carry them over with you and leave them at the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men of the Israelites whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan and take up every man of you a stone on his shoulder, as is the number of the tribes of the Israelites. That this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the Israelites a memorial forever. And the Israelites did as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites as the Lord told Joshua and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Verse 9. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. I want to read um, verses 19 to 24, because I don't want us, I mean, I'm conscious of time, I would have loved to read the, the entire chapter. Uh, verse 19, and the people came out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up 
in Gilgal. And he said to the Israelites, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, What do these stones mean? You shall let your children know Israel came over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may reverence and fear the Lord your God forever. Now you know the story up till this point. The children of Israel, um, and we talked about it last week, crossing your Jordan. The children of Israel were coming to the end of their journey. Um, they arrived at this obstacle, the Jordan, um, overflowing its banks because it was in full flow. Um, an impossible uh, thing that was before them, an obstacle, a barrier. But then miraculously, God took them through. We, if you remember, he cut off the waters at a town called Adam, and then further downstream, he also cut off the waters, and then he dried the ground, uh, the children of Israel went through. Um, he gave them clear instructions that they were to follow the ark. They were to keep a distance of 2,000 cubits, about 1,000 yards between them and the ark. And that the priests were to stand in the middle of the Jordan with the ark. As soon as they set their foot in the Jordan, um, God went into action and started this wonder of, of creating a pathway in the Jordan for them. Um, and they stood in the middle of the Jordan until Israel crossed over. And God gave Joshua these specific instructions. He said to Joshua uh, that Joshua was to um, choose 12 men from the tribe, from the tribes of Israel. These men were to go into the Jordan where, this, where the pre priests were standing in the Jordan and they were to take 12 stones from where the priests stood. They were to come out of the Jordan. And where they lodged, the first place they slept in, in the promised land, they were to put those stones into a heap uh, as a memorial uh, to remember the wonder that God had done. They were given specific instructions that whenever their children asked, what are, the, what are these stones about? then they were to tell their children the amazing wonder that God had done in causing the Jordan to part and bringing them through on dry ground. And then he gave them another instruction, that they were to also take stones, and where the priests stood in the Jordan, they were to pile up the stones, the 12 stones, 12 different people uh, from each tribe, creating a heap in the Jordan, um, also as a memorial and, and, and as to, to allow them to remember the amazing thing that God had done. Now, I just want you to imagine uh, the, 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 this scene, uh, the emotions, uh, what was taking place. For 40 years, they had been on a journey. This journey had now come to an end, a journey that had twists and turns, highs and lows, they fought battles which they won, but then they also lost certain battles. 
um, they had come across, um, having gone through the emotions of crossing the Jordan. Uh, firstly, the fear when they saw that it would seem that their journey had come to an end. They could almost taste, almost see, they could see certainly, almost taste, almost touch the promised land. But then how were they going to go across this Jordan? Miraculously, with, with a wonder, uh, God took them across the Jordan. And now they were on the other side. Their feet were actually planted in the promised land for the first time. The, the euphoria of being in the promised land. And I'm sure you have experienced it yourself. When God has finally done something that you have been waiting on God for, believing God for, holding on to God for. Um, I, I have experienced it myself where we have stood in the gap for a loved one, for a healing. And then when we, the healing eventually arrived, you know, the feeling of of the exhilaration, the euphoria, the, the, the joy, the, 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 the excitement, you know, you, you, can, you, you, you know what I mean. Um, it's the feeling you get uh, when you buy a new house. And yet, you, you know, you've gone, I remember a spiritual daughter of mine, um, she desperately wanted to buy a home, but then it looked impossible. Where was she going to get the money? How was she going to buy the house? But she held on to God. Uh, deliverance came from a most unexpected quarters that gave her some of the money. I can only imagine her feeling when she unlocked the door and stepped into that house. That's the feeling I'm describing. The feeling you get when you've been believing God for a child and you've waited for years and you've done pregnancy test after pregnancy test. But then this pregnancy test, it tells you that you are pregnant or you're the, your husband, it tells you your wife is pregnant. You know that feeling where you want to just clap and dance and sing and hug anybody who's near you and you just want to shout for joy. That feeling you get when God has answered a prayer that you've been praying for a while, believing and holding on to. I want to declare to you that that is a feeling that you're going to experience again and again in your new. That feeling that you get when God has come through, when there's a breakthrough. It's a feeling that you, you better get used to because that's a feeling that you're going to experience again and again in the new. You know, the psalmist says in Psalms 126 verses 1 to 3, it says, It was like a dream come true when you freed us from our bondage and brought us back to Zion. We laughed and laughed and overflowed with gladness. We were left shouting for joy and singing your praise. All the nations saw it and joined in, saying, The Lord has done great miracles for them. Yes, he did mighty miracles and we are overjoyed. May that be your portion, that you will be like them that dream when it comes to pass what God has promised you concerning your family, your life, the church, and the nation in the new. May you be like them that laughed and laughed, and may you overflow with gladness. May you be left shouting for joy and singing God's praise. And may those around you look at what God has done and join with you to say the Lord has done great miracles in your life. Yes, he has done great miracles and you are overjoyed. You know, it's where you come to that place, and I know what I'm talking about, where, you, where, where the scripture suddenly 
comes to life for you. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said it and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not make it good? I believe that that is your portion in your new. That you are going to say over and over again, I told you God does not lie. I told you that God is not a son of man that he should repent or change his mind. I told you that he would do what he said he would do. I told you that he spoke and he has made it great in my life. You know, in, that, in, the, in, the, in this story, uh, God himself spoke to Joshua. And that's instructive, that God spoke to Joshua. We serve a speaking God. He's not mute. He is a God who speaks. He speaks to us primarily through his word. That's why you have to be in the word of God. The word of God is God speaking to us. But then he also speaks to us by his spirit, through our spirits into our minds. He speaks into our hearts, into our souls. He speaks by his spirit. The, that's why we encourage ourselves to get more intimate with the Holy Spirit so that his spirit speaks into our spirit and our spirit communicates with our soul what the Lord has said to us. I want to ask you to prepare for a dream to come through. God is speaking now and we hear what God is speaking. The blessedness of God speaking and you hearing must not be taken for, for granted. And listen to what God said to Joshua. He told Joshua, tell them to take these stones and build a memorial for me in Gilgal. That's the first place they landed in, in the promised land. And tell them as well to take the stones, 12 of them, each man carrying one stone representing the tribe, the tribe and to build a memorial in the Jordan. There are a couple of things that stand out very clearly from these scriptures. Number one, it's all about God. I believe that God is encouraging us by these scriptures to form the habit of building memorials, form the habit of testifying about God. I believe that God is saying to us, the church has become so focused on itself that we have turned our attention away from God. We are, we, we are, we are brought to a place where we, we look at the psalmist and how the psalmist as a lifestyle would build memorials, would extol God, would, would testify about God. We look at our lives today and we are so inward focused, a culture of the world that has come into the church that we are no longer pointing the attention. We are no longer pointing people to God. We are no longer turning the focus on God. We are focused on ourselves. The stones spoke about God. The stones said God did it. When you saw the stones, you had to ask a question, what are these stones doing here? And it was an opportunity to say, these stones are here because God did a wonder in our, in our lives. He brought us through. And then you told the story of God's mighty work in bringing you, th you through and you gave the glory to God. You understand 
what the Bible says in Zechariah 4 verse 6 and you declare it concerning your life. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So number one, we learn that from this scripture that God is saying to us, have memorials. And, and you might ask, what are memorials? Opportunities to testify about God. Days, maybe. Uh, uh, family gatherings. Get friends together. Choose things that will get people to ask you about God. You know, um, in, 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 a, in, a, um, in, in my ancestral village, we have a family home. The first, son in the, in, first son and first child in the home, in an African culture, a lot of the responsibility for that family home rests on me. And the other day, the Lord was saying to me that, you know, um, when you come into the home in a traditional context, there's a, um, uh, an area in the home that traditionally would have been dedicated to God. So most modern families don't do that, but then there's that area in the home. Um, it's the first thing you see in the family home. And um, a, a, a week or so ago, God was saying to me, you know what I would love you to do? In that area, I would love you to, I would love you to put scriptures that, that, that just tell about me. So I, I asked our daughter to ask the, the, the whole family, my siblings, the, their spouses, their the children, that they should all send one scripture. Um, and so I'm going to put this scripture there. Uh, it's the first thing you're going to see when you come into the house, all these scriptures on rock-like surfaces. Um, and I think my, my sisters are amused at, at, at this whole ad, adventure of mine. But, you know, for me, it's, it's a memorial. It's saying to anybody who comes in that this is the God we serve. You know, it's the scripture speaking. Um, it's people asking questions if they come into our, our family home in, an, in our ancestral village. What are these scriptures about? It allows us to tell them about who God has been to us as a family. You know, create memorials. God delivered you on a particular day. Create a memorial around it. You know, let the family gather on that day. Tell, tell people. Tell, tell people to come and join with you. Create a memorial because God has blessed you with a house. Create a memorial around your marriage. Create a memorial um, around. Just create memorials, opportunities, stones that speak and say God did it. So create a memorial, every opportunity. You know, things that we've tossed out, let, maybe we should bring them back. Testimony evening, you know, uh, testimony night, testimony afternoon. Um, you know, instead of just sitting down at, at some coffee shop or going to some restaurant and talking about things that can, are just so irrelevant, a bit of gossip, a bit of this, a bit of that. How about getting some friends together and say, our lunch today is really a memorial. We want to talk about God's goodness, God's faithfulness. We want to hear from each one of us about how God has, has been good to us over a nice meal. It's all about God. The stones spoke about him. They said God did it. May we have the opportunity in our lives and take advantage of it to do things that will speak and say God did it. Number two, we are told to tell the children and that's instructive. Tell the children. You know, I look at our 10-year-old um, um, son. He won't really know some of the amazing things that God has done in our lives. 
if we don't tell him. You know, he's born at a time when, you know, we've been through stuff. Uh, we've gone through circumstances. We've crossed our Red Seas. We've crossed our Jordans. And yes, there are some that are ahead. But then it would be for his own life, it's important that we're able to tell him some of these stories, create opportunities, dates maybe, times maybe, uh, times we gather where we can share stories and, and amaze him as to how God has been faithful to us. Tell your children, because if you don't, then they will not have the foundation that you have because God did those things in your time. So God said to the children of Israel, put those stones there. There has to be a reminder because otherwise these children are going to forget as is human nature. So put those stones there. Let them ask questions and then this is what I want you to tell them. I want you to describe to them how I took you through the Jordan on dry ground. So tell your children, that's an instruction from God. Tell the generation after you. Share the family history around God. Explain how you started out with nothing and you depended on no one but God. Let them understand and come into that world and help them to reverence God, to understand that the foundation of that family is God. Tell your children. The Bible says, famous scripture that we all know, Proverbs 22, verse 6. Uh, the, more, more, um, the older translations would say, train up a child in the way that he should go and he won't depart from it. Um, I love this more modern translation. It says, dedicate your children to God and point them in the way that they should go. And this is what I love about this. And the values they've learned from you will be with them for life. By telling them about God, you create God values in them and those values will be with them for the rest of their lives. And then it goes on to say, uh, the, the last thing, the third thing that we learn is to tell the world. You know, shout it out, declare it. You know, it, might, it would seem that in certain quarters we have almost become embarrassed about God. You know, it, it, somehow the enemy would seem to have, to have conned Set certain parts, certain people, sometimes to feel a bit embarrassed. You know, it's not, uh, you, you remember the whole, uh, the, 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 the labor government that said, uh, where the, I think it was the chief of staff what, who said, we don't do God. Yeah, it would seem like there are parts of the church outside the four walls of the church that are really echoing that we don't do God. No, we do God. We must do God. Without him, who are we? So we have to learn to tell the story. Of course, we use language that people will understand, but we've got to learn to testify, to create memorials, invite people who are non-Christian to the memorials so that they can hear wonderful stories of this wonderful God that, that we serve. We have to learn to tell the world. Verse 24 of Joshua, the fourth chapter, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, and that you may reverence and fear the Lord your God. We have to learn to tell about God. Now, thank God that today everybody is a publisher, thanks, thanks to social media. But then, this is a test for you. If we go through your social media handles, 
for a year. Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, TikTok, and what, Snapchat. What do we see? Is it full of you showing yourself up, off, showing how you're enjoying life, showing off your clothes, showing off your body, sometimes a bit too much of it? Or will we see you showing your God off? Letting people know, testifying about the goodness of God. It would seem that for a lot of people, they feel that's outdated, it's antiquated, it's not in. I want you to know that God can never be outdated. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When you need Him, you will realize that a lot of the people we are trying to get to like us and follow us can't help us. But God will surely be there for you. So let's learn to tell the world. Let's, let's, let's devise creative ways to tell the Lord about the goodness of God, the wonderful things God has done. Let's, let's put on a creative heart by, the, heart by the Spirit of God and learn to tell the world. The psalmist was an expert in that. Psalms 9 verse 11. Listen everyone. Sing out your praises to the God who lives and rules with, with, within Zion. Tell the world about all the miracles he has done. You know what? God has done so much in your life. Yes, you're believing God for the other things. But he has done so much in your life. Have you told? Have you testified? Have you built a memorial that will cause people to ask questions? When they see the stones, they want to ask, what are these stones doing here? And you're very intentional because God has told you, when they ask, what are these stones doing here? Tell them about the wonders that I have done. Have you done that? Have you found ways to keep telling the story? Have you built memorials that will remind you about what God has done? Because sometimes we forget it's our nature. You know, he's done it. We're grateful for a while, but then we have loads of other things that we want him to do. But then the story of the ten lepers tells us the heart of God. Where, where, is the, where are the other nine? Was it only this one that was found to come back? So, you know, create those memorials in your family. You know, of course, they are the obvious ones, yes. But then create others, other memorials that will remind you. How do I know this is the heart of God? Because at the center of our faith is the communion or the Eucharist, the, 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 break, the, 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 the breaking of bread uh, and the drinking of wine that is symbolic of, of the blood of Christ. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says that the instruction to us is do this in remembrance of him. At the center of our faith is a memorial. We are, as we come to the table, we are to use that, that occasion of coming to the table as a memorial to remember what he has done for us. So do the same in your life. Certain dates should be memorials. You know, certain occasions should be an opportunity for a memorial. The psalmist says in Psalm 71 verses 15 to 16, I couldn't begin to count the times you've been there for me. With the skill of a poet, I'll never run out of things to say 
of how you faithfully kept me from danger. I will come forth in your mighty strength, O my Lord God. I'll tell everyone that you alone are the perfect one. Tell. Amen. Praise God. And as I ended my preparations, I kind of was carried away in my own thoughts. And I thought about some significant moments where God had literally done for me and for us the equivalent of taking us through the Jordan. He had brought us over a major obstacle. He had brought us over uh, a major barrier. He had, he had taken us over a mountain that loomed large before us. Um, and as I thought about them, I thought, you know, God, if you, given the opportunity, I, 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 I would carry those 12 stones myself, and each one of those stones would be saying something, for the stones have a way of speaking. And what would those 12 stones be saying about God? Um, and this is even me uh, testifying about God in my life and the life of, the, of my family. And you can have your, what your 12 stones say um, about God concerning your own Jordan that he brought you, brought you over. And most of us have testimonies of God having been faithful to take us over Jordan. So what would my 12 stones be saying? This is, this is, this is mine. It's just very personal. The first stone would be saying he's a covenant-keeping God. You know, I, I, I remember as I stood there and I realized in, in some of these instances that God had answered our prayers. We had prayed. We had held on. We had believed. I'm sure you know what I mean. And then God had come through. My first stone would be to say, God, I'm going to create this memorial. I will remind my children. They will remind their children. We will remind ourselves as a family that you are a covenant-keeping God. You keep your side of the covenant. My second stone would be to the stone that says God is faithful, that you are just simply faithful. And now what is fascinating is that even when we are not faithful, you remain faithful. Your faithfulness doesn't just extend to the skies, it exceeds, it goes beyond the skies. So my second stone would be saying God is faithful. If I sat my children around, around me and sat by God's grace grandchildren around and I was telling them one day where we were having a memorial and I was telling them about God, the first thing I'll be saying to them is that this God of this Iruku family is a covenant-keeping God. He keeps covenant with us. He has kept covenant with us. I'd be then telling them the second stone I'd be putting there um, is that this God is a faithful God. The third stone I would be putting is the stone that says He is merciful. Because this is really my testimony, that God is merciful, that many times I have erred, many times I have stepped out of turn, many times I should have been judged, but in a, in a way that confounds me, I have experienced the mercy of God, and I would be putting that stone there, and they'd be asking me, you know, They'd either be saying dad or grandpa or whatever it is or pastor or friend, whatever, or Agu or PAI. Anybody's asking me, what's this stone about? And I would be saying to them, he is merciful. The fourth stone would be that he is a deliverer. Um, that, that he delivers his own. That we can count on it. 
Um, for them, he took them through the Jordan. He delivered them. For us, I would be saying to them, this stone, is, 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 it speaks about God's deliverance. We've been delivered from many things that we know and we don't know. The fifth stone, and one I would love to really tell stories about, is that he is all-powerful, that all power belongs to him. That this, there's nothing this our God cannot do. There's nothing that is impossible for him. For, for him. He is all-powerful. All power belongs to him. The sixth stone would, would be one that says he is forgiving. You know, uh, and, and I can tell stories and stories and testimonies. You know, and we hide a lot of these things. We don't share these testimonies. We don't stand on the rooftops and declare to the world that he's a forgiving God. We start from the premise of our salvation. I mean, look at our lives. You know, look at how messed up we were. Look at the kind of enemies we were against him. Look at, look at, look at how we were we were trapped in sin, reveling in sin, the same way that pigs roll around in the muck that they live in. And yet he comes and forgives all our sins because his son Jesus Christ pays the price. How many would have come to the kingdom if so many of us were sharing this testimony, uh, creating memorials where we just wanted to talk about God's forgiveness, reminding ourselves by the memorials about God's forgiveness. The seventh thing that I would, the seventh stone um, that I would be talking about, um, if they said, what, what, what is this seventh stone about? I would be saying to them that his ways are not our ways. Uh, that would be an amazing one. I could do one whole testimony evening on his ways are not our ways. I, I, think, I think my family understands that that, that, that his ways are not our ways. He just works it out how he wants to work it out. Um, the eighth stone would be saying that he can do the impossible. That's why we're here. He can do the impossible. That's why we are clapping. We are singing. We are dancing. We are hugging each other. That's why we overflow with joy and gladness at this point in time. Because a month ago, two months ago, six months ago, this was impossible. But look at us now. We have crossed the Jordan. Our feet are firmly on the pro in, on the, in the promised land. Uh, we are at Gilgal. Hence, we are piling these stones up so that when you ask that question, what is this eighth stone about? We can tell you that he can do the impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. And I feel led by the Spirit of God to speak into someone's life. You have reached a dead end. It is really a dead end. In a natural sense, it is over. Your senses tell you it is over. There is no way. They have, you have exhausted everything that you can do naturally. I feel the Spirit of God is directing this at someone and saying to you, you are about to see in this new the God of the impossible. I declare to you by the Spirit of God that where there was no way, a way is being made. I declare to you by the Spirit of God that there is an opening where there was no opening. I declare to you by the Spirit of God 
that the God for whom nothing is impossible is stepping into that situation, is turning it around, and is creating the possible. Even now, he's starting to create the possible out of the impossible. The ninth stone, I would, I, I would put the ninth stone. And they would ask me, what is this ninth stone about? You know, what's this memorial about? And I would say to them, this memorial is to let you know that we can trust him. We have trusted him. That's why we are here. We have trusted him in our family. We have trusted him as a church family. That's why we are here. And we can trust him for the future because we trusted him. We, we, we learned to lean on him. We learned to not lean on our own understanding. We learned to acknowledge him in all our ways. And of a truth, he has directed our path. We can trust him. The tenth stone, I would say to them, is to remind you that he wants us to remember. He doesn't want us to forget. And you know, I want to say to you, create opportunities to tell stories of God's goodness and God's faithfulness. Don't, be, don't forget and move on in this frenzied way that the world moves on. You know, take time to talk about it. You know, re rehearse it in the ears of, of others, especially in the ears of your children. That's part of, that's part of godly parenting. Rehearse it. It prepares them for the future because you know the truth is that even though our feet are in the promised land, the battles are not over. In fact, they are bigger battles that are coming, but they are bigger blessings because of the bigger battles. Number 11, he, he wants us, the 11th stone is that he wants us to tell. Let people let people ask. You know, be creative. You know, create opportunity for people to ask so that you can tell about God. And the 12th stone, uh, and th this I would put on the top of the pile, would be that he is love. He loves me. He loves you. He loves us. That's who he is. The Bible says God is love. Not that God loves. God loves would be to reduce it, reduce who God is. God loves would be, I, I, I want to love. I, I'm, I, I, I create an opportunity to love. God is love means that he's incapable of anything else but to love you. And as I end that on that note, there might be someone who hasn't received the gift of love. Now, what is the gift of love? Because now that big stone out there saying, God is love, and giving me a chance to talk to you about it. What is the gift of love? It's simple. No other demonstration of love like this, that God loved you so much that he gave his son on your behalf. His son took on the wrath of God, bore your sin on the cross, allowed himself to be crucified for you, a clear demonstration of God's love so that you, you can then be free from the sin that should rightly have been put upon you with its consequences. There might be someone who's saying, you know what? I've never thought about the love of God in this way. That God is love, demonstrated by His Son, Jesus Christ. Well, what do I do in response to that? I receive the love gift. I open up my heart and I welcome him into my heart. 
And so if there's anyone out there you want to give your life to Jesus, welcome him into your life. Why don't you just say this prayer with me? It's as simple as that. And as you say this prayer, an amazing transformation is taking place. You're being ushered out of any kind of darkness into the wonderful light of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So say with me, if you mean, that, mean this prayer, Heavenly Father, I receive the love gift that your son Jesus is today. I open up my heart for him to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. I ask Heavenly Father that you will give me the grace to live a life that is pleasing to you. I commit to turning away from anything sinful as I embrace a life of obedience to you. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. I declare that by this prayer, I am now a child of yours, born again today into your family in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Welcome into the family of God. Welcome into the family of God. Hallelujah. God bless you. Well, church, I just wanted to challenge you. Uh, create memorials. Pile up those stones. Create the opportunity for people to ask questions. Um, share the goodness of God with your, with your family, in your family, with your friends, with your non-Christian friends. Use, the so, use social media to talk about how awesome God has been, how wonderful He has been. Talk about your Jordans that God has taken you through. Tell the whole world that we don't just serve a living God. Yes, the only true and living God, but we also serve a good God, a good, good Father. Amen and amen. God bless you.